Wherever there is injustice, you will find us. Wherever there is suffering, we'll be there. Wherever liberty is threatened, you will find... The, the Three, three amigos. amigos! Huh! Welcome, welcome, welcome to Classic Movie Banter. <laughs> you know that podcast where me, that guy Nathan, and that other guy across the table... Oh, wait, I mean, like, I'm Brenton, sorry. I just said I was Nathan. Nathan, I swear <laughs> to gosh, I'm going to get... This is what happens when we swap sombreros. Like, you're just like, is this oh, one it's mine? terrible. Like, do you reckon they've got, like, shitty name tags, like, inside their giant sombreros from this movie? Just, like, one that sticks uh, together. Absolutely. Uh. The question is whether these actors still own their sombreros, which I bet you, I can tell you, Steve Martin's mansion somewhere, he's got that, you know, ready to go at any point. Okay, you know that scene from Zombieland where they find, like, Bill Murray in his house? They just go to, like, Steve Martin's yep. house instead. Absolutely. But uh, welcome our audience to Classic Movie Banter. Where me, that guy Brenton, and that other guy Nathan over there, we talk about movies that are 20 years or older. 20 years. 34 years! <laughs> We tell you, our lovely listeners, if those films are still worth watching today or not. And more importantly, we tell you if uh, they're worth getting your mates together on a Thursday night and uh, having a little view. Nathan, what a what a show we have planned oh, for mate. today because uh, we have because we have another guest on the show today, welcoming uh, renowned Australian actor and director uh, Luke Joslin onto the show today, guys. G'day, Luke. G'day, guys. G'day. How are you both? Oh, pretty good, mate. Why, why are you passing me over this maraca? What's what's all this about? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's good to be here. Good to be here. Good to, good to be here to talk about one of my favourite movies. Luke indeed picked a picked a heck of a movie for I us to watch doozy. today because we are watching. We're watching the Three, three amigos, amigos, directed by John Landis, who yeah. also directed a film that we've uh, already reviewed, which was uh, National Lampoon's Animal House, which was episode number two. I yeah, think, it was I think? like the second thing we ever did. Yeah, so um, I was waiting for the toga scene in this one. But yeah, Luke, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Pleasure, Pleasure guys. Means the world. I guess we got to start the show with um, a question for you, Luke, and that is, could you please pitch us, the three amigos? Can you pitch me the movie? Uh, okay, all uh, uh, right. Okay, sure. Yeah, I can pitch that. The three amigos. All right. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of imagining I'm just sort of sitting in front of a bunch of execs. Uh, okay. So look, uh, this is a spaghetti western farce <laughs> set in a small village, Santa Poco, Mexico. We, we sort of push in on three down on their luck Hollywood stars who are invited to Mexico to appear in a show. So they think. But really, they are there to liberate this town of Santa Poco from El Guapo and his men. This is a good versus evil film, a mistaken identity comedy loaded with slapstick and starring three of the biggest Hollywood stars to date. How's that? How do you reckon? Wow. Oh, that, that sounds that sounds like a cracker. It was a good pitch. I mean, it really helped that you also brought us like mojitos for this pitch as well. Like, that's just an added bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Like, wow. Isn't it great to be a Hollywood exec these days? Luke, you, like we said before, you, you suggested this film for us to watch today because it is one of your favorites. It is. When did you first watch The Three Amigos? How did you come across this? Uh, I reckon uh, I came across this film back when I was, um, back when I was a younger lad. Living uh. um, in a share house with uh, a couple of good mates of mine, we went to school together, uh, and then we sort of we did the uni thing, and then we sort of spent out, you know, we spent a couple of years living together in this share house, and we we, we, we just had we just had these crazy movie nights, and and three amigos, I think. Look, I can recall us sitting around watching that film at least once every two weeks, and it was usually Jesus. accompanied by some tequila. Uh, or some sort of alcoholic <laughs> beverage, but we we would we would sit my good my good mate Matt Ryan uh, and I we would we would sit around and uh, and watch this film and, and just piss ourselves laughing. Uh, we thought it was really really funny. I think it really appealed to he and I. Like I think uh, sort of our sort of what we look for in a comedy sort of really appealed to us, and we thought it was just you know hilariously funny. Having said that, I will say that there are some there are along the way there have been some people that we've sort of introduced the film to and said, look, we, I highly recommend this film, and it hasn't really gone down in the same. <laughs> it's because they were way. sober, like when they watched it. Like, maybe that maybe the- that has something to do with the fact that they were sober. But I don't know. I, they just weren't really on board with it fully. Not like Matt Ryan and I. I mean, we would just kill ourselves laughing at this film. So were you like on the hunt for your third amigo? Is that what this is all about? Like since 
is the two of you. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. You said one more. Exactly. We were just trying to complete the set. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's kind of one of those films. I think that like you know, I think Nathan and I can say this. Like you know, we we've had we've had moments you know with our mates and whatnot that we've watched movies that are like again you suggest them to other people and they don't really get it. But like at the time when we've no. watched it, we've just been like on the ground laughing our asses off and like we, yeah. we quote those movies all the time. Like we could quote them off the tip of a hat. Like you, you like they're just like so ingrained in us by that point because we've watched them so much. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I think there's nothing like those those movie experiences. We still quote we still quote the film today. We still quote it today. Like yeah. we still in, in just general chit chat conversation. Can I have your watch when you are dead? Like stuff like that. It's like it just <laughs> You know, everyone's like, what? We just think it's really funny, you know? But you've got to be in the mood. I think with comedy, you've kind of got to be in the mood for it, right? Do you think? I think you've kind of totally, got to be yeah. in the mood for it. you kind of got to set yourself up, you know, you have your have your beers or your whatever you drink and then, you you know, your pizza and you've just got to, you've got to be in the mood for it. Yeah. Totally. Getting to us now, I guess, having just viewed this for the first time, Nathan, I'm really inter- interested to hear what you thought going into this. Like, did you have the beers ready to go? Were you sitting around with a bunch <laughs> of mates? Like, how did you watch this? I've, I've been in this scenario so many times where, like, I've been that guy, like, they're like, oh, you know film, you know movies, you should see this movie, and you're dragged along, and like the whole fucking room is like egging you on to love this movie. And when you know you don't, or you're just like, <laughs> it's not your cup of tea, what do you say to that room? Because everyone's like having a good time. You don't want to be that bloke that's just like, oh yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah, it's all right. In regards to this, so I know what that's like. That pressure, and here we are once again in this room with this pressure. So when it comes to this movie, yeah. it's it's yeah, it's a film, isn't it? Like. <laughs> It's it's fun. You know what? I had a lot I had a lot more fun with this than I thought, you know? A lot more fun. This is this is a definitely a guilty pleasure movie. It's not as shit as I thought it was gonna be. It's not as great as I thought it was gonna be. I think sure. if you look in the right spots, it's great. It's like a bloody mine, you know? It's like if you look in the right spot, there's gonna be a gold nug. But if you don't, there's just dirt. So that's 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 my hot take on the three amigos. Yeah, hot take there. Yeah. Um yeah, for me, like uh I mean like I watched this, right? I watched it Thank at the God, time, and like you know, there was moments that I was that I was that I was uh, laughing, um, you know, out loud. I was I was laughing at the jokes. I yeah. liked um, not so much like again like the slapstick stuff, like a, a, the bigger comedy. Like it was still like enjoyable and whatnot. And you're watching like masters of their craft, such as like Steve Martin mm. and uh, Martin Short, obviously do their thing. But um, it's more like the smaller moments and some of the hard cuts are just like amazingly funny. So I watched yeah. it, and then I like I looked up, you know, on, on the film's history and whatnot, and I kind of realized I watched it in the wrong way. Like I watched. Watched it on uh, on in the morning, you know, by myself. Oh wow! Over a cup of coffee. No. Where's all your friends, Brenton? So, <laughs> I know it's a, it's a sad, sad, yeah. lonely life, you uh. know. So, so it was good to... I, I then went back and watched some scenes again with some other people as well and just like really just sat back and enjoyed myself and had a good <laughs> laugh. You got conditioned. You trained yourself to love for, it. For that, yeah, exactly. For that, it's like perfect. It's like, it's like, it's kind of the movie, a movie that really speaks to me on that level. Like, I love these old comedies, like, you know, with these, yeah. with these great comedians that are just like absolutely killing it. Like, you don't see comedies like this today. No. You know what I mean? No. And there's like, such like simple jokes as well. Like, such like straight up premises. Like, these days there's such... Just sharp writing, but you don't really get that in the old films. It's just so like direct, like no. the humor. I, it's, it feels like it's like it's performance driven. It feels like these sort of films are like performance driven because it's if you look at the yeah. writing, sort of for what it's worth, there probably isn't anything that's massively surprising. It's all fairly predictable. It, it's some of the writing oh, yeah. is kind of slightly mundane, but it but it fe- but it I guess. I guess what you're trying. I guess what you were saying earlier, Brendan, was that it, it's sort of it's the nuanced stuff that kind of really translate. Like you know, like some of the shots. I think you were saying earlier, some of the shots just kind of linger for a little bit too long. Yeah. So it sort of makes the it sort of lets it lets it sort of washes over the audience based on the preceding moment. It's like what we've just seen, and then it just sort of lingers for slightly too long. Then there is sort of these kind of slightly. There's some weird cutaways to sort of various characters throughout the film where you get this kind of really sort of minimal nuanced reaction to something. And that in itself is kind of funny. Like, it's just like... Yeah. yeah. But also, you've watched this, like, hundreds of times, so you would notice this shit. Like, first yeah, time you you wouldn't that's, pick that's, it up. that's true. That's true. Yeah. You know what I think, though? I think it's the kind of film that you have on in the background when you have your mates around. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. hear. Like, yeah, you I just, like, you kind of, like... Yeah. You had a few people around, you just have the, the three amigos playing. You yeah. probably all watched it a couple of times before. And, um, you know, when you get to your favourite bits, everyone just stops and just starts, like, you know riffing it and like going into those moments and loving it but I, I agree Luke some of my favourite parts of this movie involve just Chevy Chase reacting to stuff yes. like, <laughs> like this like like the he's sly great. smile like sometimes to something that Martin Short's doing something like he's in some life and death situation because he's kind of the straight man in the trio I guess so yeah. like I, I guess like he 
He kind of is. I mean, like, it's either Steve They're Martin They're all idiots, or... but, like, <laughs> he's the less idiotic. All idiots. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think Martin Short's just kind of off the rails the whole time. Oh, like, geez. he's just so... <laughs> he's just so full of himself. But it is a good balance between the three of them, now, now that I say that. Like, they all mm. have their moments. They all work well together. And they are a good trio you know like they all they all kind of complement each other essential for a film called the three amigos isn't it <laughs> yeah and 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 kind of on the back of that going back to the subtlety thing that um luke was kind of riffing off before i think that um knowing that uh this is the director of national lampoon and the twilight zone let's not forget that yeah you can't forget that i mean like <laughs> the best moments of uh, yeah. of uh, national lamp of uh national lampoon uh i think are those moments where like the camera just lingers on something for too long it's like nathan and i always talk about this scene that's the funniest scene in that movie in my opinion is when there's a horse in the office and then this guy comes in with a chainsaw and we just linger on it for a second too long and that just hard cuts away and you're kind of like still processing what the heck that was yeah and that in itself is funny yeah. and so it's kind of that style is brought to this with like some just awesome like awesomely talented comedians that just kind of fill the other moments as well yeah so it's a good balance there i think yeah there's sort of these, these sort of comedy styles that are kind of uh playing out you know simultaneously it's like that scene, right, where Steve Martin is on the... He's, he decides to break back into the lot and he's on yeah. top of that wall and he's trying to get their attention. That's some of the funniest shit I've seen in my life. Like. It's so funny, <laughs> but it goes on for probably... It probably goes on for too long, really, by today's standards. But yeah. it's, the persistence, yeah. it's the persistence comedy. It's like that persistence comedy that you, you kind of see peppered throughout that is just so... It's just so funny. It's so absurd. I haven't, I've like, the laughing at these jokes, they're like the most funny I've laughed in a while, to be honest with you. Like, they're some of the funniest shit I've seen in ages. Yeah, it's pretty funny. And that's a lot of like pros, like, that I'm giving this film for, because like, when it works, it fucking works. Like, it really works. Like, yeah, it's yeah. so funny. And also, like, a lot of the humor doesn't just come, like, yeah, they say funny things, but like, like, just look at them. Just the way they're dressed as a loan to sell you on the movie, because like, they're in such a serious setting. <laughs> and they look as though they they've are. like walked, and they have literally walked off a Hollywood set. So, like, that, it's just so funny. The premise is amazing. And they play it for real. I think they play it for real as well, yeah. which is kind of yeah, part genuinely. of why it's so hysterically funny. There was some criticism pitched towards the film that sort of said that Steve Martin was kind of like, you know, the guy out front and the other two were kind of like supporting uh, players. Yeah, you know, like that. They, that, that Martin Short was kind of underutilised and, and Chevy Chase may as well not have even been in the film. However, I kind of feel like, you know, it's 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 kind of a throwback. I was thinking that I was thinking this when I was watching it last time. Like, it's like that, you know, you're looking at three clowns, you know, it's kind of like that, that old sort of status formula where you're kind of like, you know, Steve Martin's slightly more high status than the other two goons mm. and, and they, they each have their role to play. I think... I, I, I kind of feel personally that they all get their moment in the in the spotlight. It kind of reminds me of like my favorite old time comedy is Duck Soup, which is the, which is like the classic film with like the the three um, Marx Brothers. You know, you got Groucho and all that, and it's like that, that same kind of slapstick comedy. But there's like I feel like these guys do it different in that sense where it's not that as much slapstick. So like yeah. as far as like one yeah. claiming the spotlight over the other, it's like you need the others to like make the jokes work. Like you can't just have a be yeah. the Steve Martin show in that sense. And they all have a different skill set. I think they all bring something yeah. really uniquely different. Quite literally. To the Trio. Like they do different skills in the movie. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> yes. They do. <laughs> they do. There's some rope involved. But um, how do you find this? Because like it's it's hard for us because especially like Brett and me because we just walked out of the Dollars Georgie. So like we like just walked out of like good, bad, yeah. ugly, like the most like highly revered like westerns and that kind of shit. So like yeah. we've done, we think we've done like Shanghai Noon. We've done like you know Wild Wild West. So we've like gone into the other side of that coin. But like how did you find the parodic elements of this? Do you think it was like fully satirizing the genre? What I think is interesting in in that regard in terms of it being like a satirical comedy it's not only uh spoofing i guess the western genre because it's doing that in moments like you know we have we have multiple shootouts we have you know we have these um the, the cowboys that are like you know in a, in a land unknown and they're and they're they're kind of wanderers or so to speak but like i think the thing it's actually spoofing the most is hollywood itself at the time totally or, and just yeah. like you know actors themselves i and love like that how, and like the movie has one bomb they have one bomb and then immediately their careers are over it's fantastic <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so in that sense I think like yes it's a western spoof but it's more of like a Hollywood western spoof in the sense of yeah. like these actors are just like you know so stupid when it comes to like their careers and their prospects and what they're doing to the point that they like they take a job in Mexico thinking that it's like you know like they're going to like some kids party basically and are just gonna like you know do a little act and go home Yeah, and, and they're that arrogant they're that kind of naive you know and but at the same time they're all what works is they're all kind of endearing you know at the same at the same point 
Um, you know, I guess, like, Steve Martin's probably the most... Like, he, he's probably the least endearing out of the three of them. I mean, like, what's so funny about Martin Short, for example, is that he's just so full of himself and he's yeah. so sucked into this world of Hollywood and, and, and mm. acting and being pretending famous, and, you know, famous. being a star. Exactly. You know, so when he interacts with these with these villagers, for example, you know, there's so just some great moments that are just oh. sending sending that up. They, like, the villagers couldn't care less who they are, but they yeah, think exactly. they're there, like, because they're literal gods walking yeah. amongst these people. And that in itself is just hilarious. Mm. The mistaken identity sort of story does sustain itself and so and so there's a great payoff when it's the, the, the fucking great payoff when that that moment <laughs> when she, Steve Martin gets shot off the horse and they realise oh, that it's, it's real it's so good and there's real blood and it's just wait a second and he races up to him <laughs> and, and, and sort of demands that he sees his gun and it's almost like I'm going to get the actors union involved it's just oh, yeah. I'd love that. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's really, it's really tricky. It's really tricky watching this in hindsight in 2020 because, like, my favorite comedy of all time, easy, is Tropic Thunder, and Tropic Thunder has oh. done this plot like to a bone. Like, and this was done back in '86. Like, also, Bugs Life has done this plot to the bone. It's like this is a very well-known story of actors like having to save the day, pretending they're doing a show. Like, like we know this shit. So I think what makes this work of art stand out differently to those two things because the, all these funny moments exist. Look at Simple Jack. Look at like you know the bloody <laughs> German caterpillar in Bugs Life. These things are there but I think what makes it better is through the performance so you're right only Martin Short could pull off those kind of funny things like only Chevy Chase could yeah so that's Absolutely. what made me kind of forgive it in that sense to make me think this work isn't derivative because it's a derivative as hell but like it made me forgive it for that in that sense what makes it stand out is the people involved you know as yeah. opposed to like you know watching it for the plot and the chemistry the chemistry between them obviously they're obviously exactly. good mates yeah. I mean you can tell they're obviously good mates there would have been a lot of laughs on set I would imagine oh. yeah <laughs> can you imagine being on that set can you imagine being interacting with Steve Martin and Ma- like just spending no, a I day no I can imagine sitting around that campfire that campfire I can imagine sitting <laughs> yeah. in that scene <laughs> Like, Did Steve Martin like get tinnitus or something like that from this shoot? Like he he always has that ringing in his what? ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I read a fact that like uh-huh. from this like there was a there was a stunt where they had to fire a gun or something like that, and like it was too close to his ear, and like he has permanent like oh. ringing in his ear from it. So like he's on a chat show being like, yeah, this yeah this happened. Oh no, he'll never forget that shoot. No, Jeez, he really yeah. won't. Jeez. Nathan, y- you brought up some. Uh, you said the the moments that it works, you know, are really good, but you said you know the moments that it doesn't just left you feeling a bit flat. Using the mine analogy, can you talk a bit? More, a bit more to that as opposed to like you know I guess some of your criticisms of it oh like yeah I mean the, the narrative's thin but honestly I mean look at the cast look at the town you're not expecting to walk in this looking at a you know deconstruction yeah. on the on this you know saviour of the town you know you could, I think there's like a white saviour narrative to it I'm not you know you're not looking at this film with those kind of lenses you know I'm putting down the book but like there's some shit I didn't find funny this movie committed the cardinal sin of all westerns where a character will walk into a bar and suddenly the whole bar will go silent this is a bone I pick on this show Luke does it does it three times Times. Does it three, three times? times. And, yeah. and I was like, how dare you? It's so fucking unrealistic. I hate it when movies do that, but that's such a niche <laughs> criticism. So I can't <laughs> I can't fault it for that. <laughs> to be honest with you, I felt like the rest of the cast kind of dropped the ball in that sense. Like, the, tell you what, the villain does interesting things towards the end, but like the German things I couldn't care less. And like, they, like they're all there to set up one particular joke. And like, you got to be really in for that joke for it to work in that sense. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It does have moments. It does slow up at moments. Like it feels like it feels a little late at times. Yeah, like like having like these men in the costumes is enough in that sense. Yeah, it feels like it lingers a little too long in moments. You're like, yeah, 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 we, we, we get it, we get it, you know. And then there's some gold. I mean, you just wait for the gold in the film and I think that's why I said earlier it's a great <laughs> film to have on sort of in the background because it's like everyone waits for that golden, that golden moment. I mean, the campfire song, the, the dialogue before it, it's just it's gold. You know what? Normally I hate songs in these comedies. Love the song in this comedy. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, it just works, eh? Like, it just... The musical moments really work, yeah. They could have fucked it up, but they didn't. And I'm like, um, this is this is it. <laughs> I'm vibing this, yeah. The, yeah, the moments that really pay off, obviously, just like, you know, uh, leave you just feeling like... I, yeah, it, it's totally one of those things that the positive totally just, like, outweigh the negatives. And then in saying that, like, you know, because it's a comedy, at the same time, I'm willing to forgive it as well because I know that there'll be other, you know, audience members that will find the stuff that I probably didn't find as funny like hilarious you mm. know what I mean like so there's something almost for everyone it's in there it's so subjective like, it's very accessible I think you know in that sense yeah so yeah all that being said I guess I guess we should probably rate it you're fond of me lobster ain't you so uh I'm gonna put up my hand first give it a thumbs up Nathan you're, you're looking I'm, I'm an Anara man like yeah I know we haven't talked about women because there's barely any and they do any in this movie I know it's like you have to understand the audience you're pitching it to in that sense like come on this is a, this is a podcast where we do classic 
classics, and yet we have like, and this is a classic in every sense of the word. This is a classic, but like, it's so contextual as to when you should watch it, right? Like we said exactly when you should watch this movie. Yeah, exactly. If you're looking for a comedy with this plot, I prefer Tropic Thunder. But that's also because like I think the jokes are sharper in that, and like, yeah, I don't know. I've seen I've seen all three main actors do better work in other things, so it's not really the performances I can sell you this movie for. Like, why watch it in the first place? I guess if you want to have a Mexican themed party, put this on. <laughs> that, that's that's the real that's the real scenario <laughs> you know you throw on you throw on a 25th or a 30th you're going hey let's let's make a mexican theme put this on the telly in the background people will love it okay here's the question for you nathan would you you know for halloween or like a dress-up party would you turn up you know would the three of us turn up as the three amigos would you be happy to do that oh absolutely mate i want that costume yeah. Easy. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm all for that <laughs> like yeah even like the villain's costume i'd wear it's pretty badass it's like, generic as hell but i would still wear that like yeah the production design's actually really good like it's pretty authentic and like you know oh i got a bone to pick with the production design and spoilers we'll, we'll get to oh that. really yeah, and it's a spoiler as well all righty we'll get to it but i but I, I think those moments where like silent films used like well obviously the costumes like there's a reason they're larger than life like it's like it's like it's all authentic in that sense and it's mm. selling uh those ideas pretty well and then there's moments where it subverts it obviously as well yeah. and there's some gags in there for, for that i'm gonna say a presumptive yes i'm gonna say yes with like the billion asterisks for all those things only just a yes just a yes he's steve martin's got a gun pointed at my balls so I can't really say no right now, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> now, fair enough. I hear what you're saying. I, t- I, 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 I totally get it. Totally get. It. I'm going to give it. A, I'm, obviously, I'm going to give it a thumbs up because I think comedically, it just it plays to my what I what I find hysterically funny, and I think that's just the thing. I think you know, outside of outside of everything else, I mean, I mean, I kind of looked at the film again recently in a more with more of a critical eye, and I and I did see those things. I started to go, hmm, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. But I think the first time I watched it, I kind of just let it wash over me. Those three particularly, the fact that the fact that they thought they were these kind of big shots and like the scene in the bar when the barman says, you know, are you the... And Steve Martin's like, huh, yes, yes, we are. <laughs> you know, like he's always forever enjoying the fact that they're... The don't, it's like that, you know, don't you, don't you know who I think I am? I think it's kind of personal taste. And I guess it would, if it didn't have those three, I think it would be... A, a totally forgotten film. Yeah. That's my kind of feel. I kind of feel without those three, who were obviously at the time, I mean, what are we talking, 80s, mid-80s? Yeah, 86. I mean, they were they were enormously huge. And Steve Martin obviously wrote it. He, wrote, he was one of the writers, I guess. In the Who wrote the music? Randy Newman? Oh, oh yeah. Was, yeah, it was Randy Newman. Yeah. Who also played The Bush. May I point out the bush? There you go. So they, they, you know, there was, there would have been a lot. Yeah, there would have been a lot writing on it. I'd be interested to know. I mean, I, I assume you guys have the the information. I assume what the box office did. If only we had the information ready to go. Yeah, we, we may talk about that in a, a bit later on, won't we? More to come, <laughs> listeners. What a tease. <laughs> We're coying you for fanning our eyes. Woo. Yeah, Ooh. providing a little tease there. Can't wait. Let's let's talk about some spoilers in the meantime. <laughs> You spoiled it. What? The movie. Oh. Getting started, I guess like I guess the first thing I want to bring up is that kind of scene that you kind of mentioned before, Luke, which is the moment where kind of the facade drops. The three amigos realize that, as Steve Martin says, this is real. This is all real. <laughs> like it's all it's all happening right now, you know what I mean? And then again, what's so funny about it is that he says, This is real. And then they proceed to have the most like inauthentic like responses to this. Like they just start weeping, like yeah. like as as the as the villain says, like women. Like they're just and it's so like overdone. But it's absolutely hilarious because it's still kind of grounded in the sense of like <laughs> it's like it's like Tropic Thunder. Are you a simple jack? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that they've been found out that it's that it is real, that like, you know, you you're in like real danger here they just mm. crumble they just fold instantly and it's absolutely hilarious like just watching these three grown men just start bawling their eyes out and yeah. the way again that they kind of try to appease you know like this um this villain basically like you know and these 50 men with guns pointed at them like you know and they're just like oh hey and oh and again and the way they bring that song back that they do like my little buttercup or whatever and they do a little version that. of it it's a good performance by the way i love that song oh, i'm all for the dance moves they do a good job do you reckon in steve Ma- uh steve Ma- and Martin Short's uh, live show they did. Do you reckon they did a live performance of My Little Buttercup? Because I think... I was wondering that. <laughs> I would have booed if they did it. Because it's kind of perfect. <laughs> it's, so, it's so bad, though. I mean, that little, that little dance routine is so bad. <laughs> what's the origin? Like, what's the actual context that they would have originally performed that in? Like, well, oh. it's around the time of, like... You'd imagine, like, because silent film stars were usually, usually vaudeville stars, right? Yeah, so they probably yeah. were, like, you know, doing, like, a live That's act true. at some stage where, like, the three of them were, like... And that was probably their live, their live performance. 
What's funny about that moment too is the first time they do My Little Buttercup is that the fact that like because it's been set up that the German guys come in first and he's like you know don't mess with me my friends are coming and they're even worse right oh yeah and then the three amigos walk in and so like this whole crowd is just terrified of these guys and what they're going to do and yet they're doing this My Little Buttercup and they're like asking them to like interject into the song with the next lyric and they're like My Little Buttercup has the sweetest Smile, 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 <laughs> smile, smile. <laughs> yeah, <and then laughs> oh, it's so, so good. good. I mean, you could pick the bone thinking that they're going to this small Mexican town and no one, you know how like everyone knows English? Like you could, it's almost a gag you could have done there with that. But it's kind of funny that they do all know the words of the song and they're still just as appalled by it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you on? <laughs> it's always, there's always this kind of subtext of like, even when, even when Steve Martin, in you know, when they're in the bar, turns to Chevy Chase and sort of says, you know, why don't you go over to the piano and play a little tune? <laughs> and Chevy Chase is like, Chevy Chase's character is like, no, I, look, I haven't played for ages. And as he's saying that, he's walking towards the piano. <laughs> Any, you know, any opportunity, any opportunity to show off or to to sing each other's praises. It's it's just I find that I find that that sort of there's there's always a comment there, always a comment. It's like mm. it's like it's like when we go back to the you know this is real. It's like it's so self-serving in the sense that it's like they got this whole village behind them, but it's like no, we're you know we're we're just we're we're just movie stars. And then he and then he sort of releases we, we them. We sing and, and dance. They, <laughs> we sing and dance, and they go. They go, you know, please let us go. And they, <laughs> they, they, they just ride off into the sunset. And it's funny because, like, the town goes along with it. Like, I love when the villains first confront him and, like, is it Chevy Chase that, like, all Steve Martin that gives one of the bad guys a line and they say the line? Like, they're like, go for yes. it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> like, we're making a scene. And, like, and it kind of saves their asses, ironically, like, in the first place. The fact that the villain's like, oh, no, these guys are funny. They're no threat. They're just, they're clowns. They're, like, they're the court jester. It's like, let's let them keep yeah. dancing. Like, what's the harm? Just kill one of them. <laughs> <laughs> he likes them that much. It's like, ah. You are in big trouble, mister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get the union onto you. It's so funny. Oh, so you know what I love good. as well? I love that these like guys, are, like these bad guys are terrorizing the town. They're the, the scum of the scum. But they're, they're genuinely offended by the insults. It's like, you son of a motherless goat. And like the bad guy's really taking it to heart. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's like should we should we yeah. kill them? No, we should tell our boss because like that was that was really hurtful and I don't know what to do. And they, oh. so they just leave. Yeah. <laughs> it's so yeah. good. Oh, they were characterized so well. I loved that we got like a whole therapeutic session with the main bad guy. <laughs> oh, that's, that's such oh, a yeah. great, that's such a great scene. That's so good. Ah, I love that moment too, where like his henchman's like, you know, you should just take this woman. If you want the woman, you should <laughs> just take her. And then the bad guy gives this speech, and he's like, you know what? Like, that's not how you treat women. You know, like you obviously don't know women. Like you have, yeah. they have to want to join you and whatnot. And so he said, so, so when is that going to happen? Blossoms. What's going to happen? Uh. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, he's like, and then that scene just ends with, well, tonight. Otherwise, I'm going to kill her. <laughs> it's just like the funniest moment. I'm like, we have this beautiful moment of like, oh, this guy's actually got a heart and he's got a moral compass and then it's just instantly <laughs> uh, dropped. That gag feels ahead of its time. That feels like it was written today. Like that kind of meta commentary. Yeah, totally. Like, oh, totally. That, it's so, and I love that henchman as well. He's got great lines. Like the guy who like serves. Me too. He's guy. one of my favorite I characters. I, there's another line too, where she says, she says to her, she says, it must be one of El Guapo's mistresses where she says the daughter that's been captured from Carmen, she says, I think her name is, yeah. yeah, she says, you know, do you know what foreplay is? And she says, no, either do, either does El, El Guapo, which I thought was just really funny. <laughs> really funny. Oh, that it's was a great genius. Gag. That was so good. My actually, yeah. my favorite gag out of the whole movie um, as a line was um, when like uh, Chevy Chase is trying to pick up that chicken, having a DNM, like as he's like you know trying to <laughs> after the party, and um, it, she's like saying, "Oh, we should like go, you know, we should walk to go for a walk, and then you can kiss me on the veranda." And he's like, "No, the lips are just fine." Yeah, the lips will be fine. <laughs> that was that was genius. Such That's the best. Line I've heard. mean, another yes. un, and and again again it's that it's that throwback to like when Ned uh, Martin Short is on the stairs with the with the the, the young. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just all listening listening to <laughs> how he he scored this role in this film and and how perfect he was and they're just all there like sort of wide-eyed sort of got no concept of what he's talking about it's just so fun but you know of course any audience <sighs> any audience will do yeah it's so and it's funny. so funny how bad that story is as well like it's like his favorite story obviously to tell and it's like the moment that he probably knew that he was going to be an actor or you know become who he was and it's mm. just like the worst story you've ever heard like oh and then this oh woman this this actress said to me that i that you've got yes. it and he's like and i was just like oh and he's like, oh, like that actually happened. It's a true story. And the kids again are just oh, like wide eyed, just like this. What? What are you talking about? You know, you just saved what us from certain on? death, you weirdo. Like it's so stupid. Speaking of favorite lines, I think my favorite line in the movie is when 
the three uh, three of El Guapo's men are coming to get tequila from the town initially, and they're coming earlier than expected. And Carmen runs to the three amigos and yells up to them um, to their balcony and says, "El Guapo's coming now! El Guapo's coming now!" And Steve Martin just looks out and goes, "What? Already?" And he's like, "All right, fine. Like you know, all right, we'll get ready." And he's just like, as though like to do a show. It's so funny. Like the yeah. the the village is just like running for the hills. Like you know, they're trying mm. to hide. Everyone's like everyone's hiding their children. The women are like getting bunkering down or whatever. And Steve Martin's just like, "All right." We'll we'll get ready for the show. It's so funny. Two of my favourite lines are kind of throwaways. Not bad for a matinee is one of them, which I just it just <laughs> killed me when when Chevy Chase and they're both Chevy Chase lines. When Chevy Chase says "Not bad for a matinee," and when they're sitting around the fire and he says, "How far do you think we travelled before we had to go back and get directions?" Which is just so <laughs> oh, yeah. just so thrown away. And really, you'd have to be you know you would so quite easily miss that line. It just killed totally. me. I was on. I was laughing my head off. That was so funny. Like we've said, like out of all these like favorite line things, it's evenly distributed. That's why I don't think it's like. The Steve Martin show, like they all get great moments. But I'm so yeah. glad you brought up that campfire scene because because I've got some bones to pick, Luke. For starters, I love that they <laughs> deliberately. I think they deliberately did it where they made the nighttime set for the campfire the shittiest set possible. Where like oh, the sky terrible. is like impossibly painted, like they did back in the old westerns. Terrible. Yeah, absolutely. I love terrible. that they did that, but I but I hated. I don't actually hate. Hate's a strong word, but I didn't really care for the animal singing song. Right. Well, okay. So this is yeah. So the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, I was like a bit the same as you, Nathan. I was like, oh, that's random. And again, there's funny lines in that scene. Like I love when they pass the bat, and he's like, how do you like your bat, Dusty? And he's like, medium rare. And he's like, oh, and gets it off the fire straight away. And he's like. <laughs> There you go. Like, <laughs> hilarious. But, um... Such a but the more I, the, when I watched when I watched it the second time, I thought to myself, "Is it like a joke on like the fact that like the bats are making them kind of like like have a psychedelic experience?" Oh yeah, it's an hallucinogen. Like, you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like like totally like they're like it's kind of like a like you said a hallucinogen, and like they're imagining the animals start singing to them because yeah. they've literally just eaten bats. But then how do you explain how do you explain the singing bush? How do you pl- explain the singing bush and the? That's right. That's right. There's so many kind of moments and the invisible swordsman and, invisible and all swordsman. that. So Which, are again, they real? Just, is that also hallucinogenic, or is this a universe where those things happen to exist. Like, I think this just sort of rooted in this absurdity. Yeah, totally. We just sort of go with it. It's yeah. totally, totally bizarre though. I was kind of waiting for a small human to walk out behind the bush. Like, I was kind of waiting for that reveal, but like, nope, the bush just sings. Like, I kind of, I kind of low-key wanted like Randy Newman to like step out from behind the bush and like start singing You've Got a Friend in Me, but it didn't happen. Is it Martin Short? Yeah. Is it Martin Short that goes up to the bush initially and says, excuse me, are you the singing bush? <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's Steve Martin. He says, excuse me, are you the singing bush? And then it's like, I think we've just got to assume that it is. It's yeah. like such a funny See, movie. that in itself is just so funny. It, again, like the absurdity of that scene is hilarious. And then it continues, you know, when Chevy Chase accidentally or Dusty accidentally shoots the invisible swordsman. Uh. And and Martin Short goes up to this like invisible body on the ground and picks up its wrist and then drops it again and goes, yep, it's dead. All right. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know, in, in, what, in what universe is this like meant to Jeez. happen? You know, and the, I kind of wish they did that with like Elizabeth Moss's invisible man. Like that's what happened at the end of that movie. Just like. <laughs> like they pick up a limb, just like oh, he's dead. <laughs> but but again, it's it's uh. the genius. I think it's the genius of those moments. Is the comes back to the performance driven thing where they just the three of them are just so unbelievably real. Even in those moments yeah. of heightened absurdity, they just play it so straight. Yeah, which is just what's so funny about it. I mean, the fact that he asks, "Excuse me, are you the singing bush?" It's so straight in its delivery, but it just it's so absurd. But that's the thing because they say it so seriously, it works. Like I think with the reveal that the German guy was a fan that had to be played so straight for it to work, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Like, it's a genuinely heartfelt moment where Martin Schwartz, oh, finally, I get recognised. Like, 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 you need that moment for the joke to work. Martin Schwartz about to be escorted away to a dungeon and probably executed, and then this fan stops him and he's like, oh, oh thank you. like you. my work? Like, it's <laughs> such a funny moment, uh, you know, like, that despite all this going on, he's just so happy that someone's finally recognised yeah. him. And I like as well that it's actually, like, they do have the skill set. Mm. Like, Martin Short, uh, he can, like, quick draw. Like, he can beat anyone in a quick draw. He's yeah. like, that fast like he's like we didn't use trick photography like i actually did it and like steve martin you see him doing yeah tricks that's all real lasso yeah, and what, did that. And whatnot chevy chase finally actually does something useful and throws the knife at the end and pitches yeah. the german guy's arm to the yeah like they all have these skills but like they're utterly apart from that it's, it's like it's like some stuntman taught them those skills but apart from that they're absolutely just useless yeah which i think could also be considered as a criticism for the movie when it comes to the bad guys because like you're not i don't find them a threat at all like they're, they're all meant to be funny like i didn't really care for the stakes of this town being terrorized you know what i mean because the bad guy's just so ludicrous. Oh, totally. The fact that he yeah. throws a birthday party yeah. is the stupidest thing in the world. Like, there's no threat in that. Like, you know they're all going to be okay. Yeah, you know they're going to... Yeah, totally. I was kind of just waiting for Steve Martin to crack his skull when he was, like, trying to move up the chains 
things get thrown back into the wall, you know? Like, <laughs> I was kind of seeing if the film would kill one of them off. <laughs> it's funny because, like, I, I, I still think there are stakes there because you know kind of, like, the trouble these guys are getting themselves into. So, for instance, like, again, when those three guys turn up and they do the initial mm. show, they run out and it's just such a surprise for these for these guys, these threatening gang, this threatening gang to just see these guys, you know, like, do this little routine in a yeah. figure eight and just kind of shuffle yeah. around mm. each other, you know, and then jump on their horses and all they literally do is yeah. just ride in a circle around them and shoot their, like, fake guns in the air. Like, it's absolutely hilarious. And they're going, amigo, amigo, and, like, yelling just, or, like, go horsey or, like, yeah, just yeah. random stuff. And, again, it's it's kind of like an insult in itself to these, you know, it, it, it plays off that again. It's like an insult to then to the gang to be like, these guys are, like, you know, calling us, like you said, Nathan, these horrible names and are, like, galloping their horses around us. Let's just go back and, like, tell El Guapo and yeah. get yeah. this sorted. Just some of the, some of the, some of the, shot, the shots, the shots of when they're, I could recall when they're going around the villains, you know, they're riding around the villains and some of the shots there, like Martin Short throwing the gun to either hand, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and doing <laughs> the this gun like, crazy laugh. <laughs> this crazy laugh that they do when they're shooting their their guns into the air like it's it, you know and I think also I think so like funny. the three times they do it it's shot identically each time I think they literally use the same composition like yeah, yeah just to make that same gag it's like they only have it's like their one trick pony it's <laughs> and it's great yeah I like I like as well that they're so worried that they don't get a rehearsal yeah. and like it's like the worst show you've ever seen like it's such a terrible show and they're just like we need to rehearse mm. this you know and like and again Martin Short still forgets like one line you know oh. what I mean line oh, I know I know I know I know let's let's talk about the um silent film stuff because oh, I was really enamored with that, that at the start. When we're kind of introduced to these guys, just like, and the way it's sold, like again, the way they all have the makeup, the way the villains are and that and whatnot, and the dialogue chosen and whatnot. And the way, again, like Steve Martin, especially the way he just looks, he's always looking for where the <laughs> camera is, like when he's when he's filming these films. Like he's always, it's such a good gag. It's so subtle, but it's like, he's one of those actors that is like looking at the person they're talking to and then he'll suddenly just like yeah. catch the camera and do like a little side That's eye to I the camera and then look back quickly. Like so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's, forever, so he's forever aware of where the camera is exactly it's so and, and their, their makeup is so like even the villains it's so like uh, it's almost like Punch and Judy it's almost like that sort of vaudeville feel and if you love yeah. silent film it's a great meta like take on silent film as well do you think it's interesting because like there is a there is a kind of a shift that happens in this and it's when kind of Martin Short's character decides that he's gonna stay you know and and actually you know fight and go up against this gang and, and take yeah. them on like it, it's 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 kind of abrupt in the moment because we, we see this devastation kind of happen we see these guys like grown men cry and then they run away and then he suddenly just decides that he's gonna stay and i guess it makes sense because again there's that gag you know earlier in the film where he's like i'm gonna start a foundation yes. for yeah. children and the other guy's like yeah we're, 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 we're gonna oh, do yeah, that yeah, too yeah, you yeah, know yeah. and again we just cut away from it yeah i guess like my biggest like i guess question if you're if you're gonna like criticize it dramatically is that like it's kind of random in itself that they do decide to like take on the gang and just not go back to hollywood yeah yeah it, it is. Uh, is do you think it's a bit of a throwback though to they're having a bit of a stab at like sort of western plots i mean do you think it's feels like it's a bit like you know I'm drawing True. a line in the sand men on mice and then of course we have this kind of this kind of standoff where sort of Steve Martin makes the choice and then of course Chevy Chase's character upends that whole moment by shooting himself in the foot you know and then decides yeah. to, to sort of cross the line so yeah I, I kind of felt like it's always kind of there's this kind of there's this sort of constant undercurrent of kind of a bit of a, a Hollywood stab as I think you alluded to earlier yeah you can, it's kind of like a throwback to like you know the, like again like the, the Dollars trilogy let's say and when like you know Clint Eastwood you can just imagine him being like you know you're like yeah yeah like you're just like you know I'm gonna draw a line in the sand you know like which side are you on to like the town or whatever like you can, you can see that playing out yeah, for sure yeah. you know once he's been beaten up in you know in a, in a fistful yeah. of dollars or whatever yeah. um, I don't, I don't I don't know why they do it. It's a great question. Like, there's no reason narratively for them to be able to do it. It's like, I guess because they, they have that moment where they're like, well, we're pretty much dead in Hollywood anyway, which is hilarious in itself. So it's like, yeah. we're dead in Hollywood. Yeah. May as well just be dead out here, you know, <laughs> trying to do something. It, it's kind of like, random yeah. that Martin Short's character is the one that does it. Or maybe not. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe because, as you said before, he sort of he's the one that sort of wants to, to give the money away. And, and so he's kind of got this overt sense of right. Also, he gets that line. Because you're waiting for when they do eventually get money for him to throw the money back. Like, you're hoping it'll happen. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's, by the way, another great gag we haven't mentioned. I love the telegram scene. I laugh so much during it. Just so... Like, <laughs> oh, that was incredible. Yeah. Just so... Like, like, there was, like, ten great jokes in that. It was so, it was great. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give you the ten pesos version. I love as well when they read the telegram, and it's like... And it's like... I think it's like, you guys are great or something is yeah, how it you starts. Guys are great. And it goes, you guys are great. And they all just look to each other like... They're all just... Oh... <laughs> Like you, we are, and then oh. and then and then Martin Short explaining what infamous is, infamous, 
<laughs> infamous, <laughs> like, oh. which is what which is what makes them want to go, right? Because you know, here's an opportunity. You know, opportunity, opportunity. I love that it's then just assumed that El Guapo is the best Mexican actor, yeah. like the best actor yeah, in all yeah. of Mexico. He's like the biggest star over there. And so again, when they meet him later on, they're like, "Oh, it's such a pleasure <laughs> to be working with you." And he's just like, working what? With you. <laughs> <laughs> Say your line. Say say you'll kill us like dogs. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so good. Oh, you will die like dogs. <laughs> he's got a great grin. That whole movie, like the bad guy, just loves being bad, doesn't he? Like, oh. He's a great bad guy. I think he's great. He's great. He's great in that film. Yeah. He is great. Yeah. Yeah. Heffy, Heffy, the offside is great too. Yeah, yeah. Again, like that that sidekick is just like he's one of my favorite characters in the movie. He's just so kind of funny. Like it's 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 so funny that he's always trying to appease, you know, he's his boss, you know, and he and like he gets him, he organizes for the whole crew to get him a sweater, yeah. you know, for his birthday. Like, and it's funny how that's set up earlier on. Now he's like, oh, you know, like what do you want for your birthday? And he's like, I'll be happy when I get my guns. And he's like, oh, but you know, we tried really hard and we filled the pinatas with lots of different presents <laughs> and little surprises, and and we've got you a big present as well. So you know, just just be open. Open-minded, oh, yeah. you know. It's it's just. By the way, speaking of the presents and like the things everyone has, that small town's got a pretty good budget for fireworks. Like. Jesus, that's that's a pretty oh, wonderful yeah. party. <laughs> yeah. I got some waiting for them to catch fire. Like Jesus, Absolutely. well, it's it's got a it's it's got a budget for a few good things. They've got lots of black material, oh, black yeah. and white they material, them pretty and quick. red cravats and things. <laughs> and they've got a bunch of hats ready, sombreros ready to go. That town's pretty well stocked. Uh, you know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> that's like a, that's an underrated scene when like Martin Shirt is like, what was it when Martin Short's like egging the grandma to like keep sewing? He's like, come on, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like you've never sewn before, <laughs> like. You know, Special segment. Ooh, so special. Alrighty, Nathan, take us away because you you've chosen today's uh, first special segment, which is uh oh battle royale. I'm so I'm so excited. <laughs> we haven't done it for a little yeah. bit. It's uh it's where we pit some movies characters against another movies characters in a battle royale and see who wins. Because I love the idea of seeing these three amigos in other scenarios. So I'm thinking about the Westerns we've done before, right? So let's start off with the good, the bad, the ugly, right? So we've got those three versus these three. Yeah. Is there any scenario where, like, the three amigos win against those three? Hear me out. Okay, so... I think that the three amigos' greatest weapon is the fact that everyone just kind of like rides them off. <laughs> Again, like everyone kind of yeah, thinks they're a joke, they are. but you know what I mean. They're persistent. Yeah. You know what I mean. You know they're persistent. They're good at they're they're good. I guess good is you know let's throw that word around you know willy nilly uh, because you know they're they're okay at stealth. They could probably sneak into a camp, get caught, and then find them them themselves out of that situation. And and you know and like I said, like what would be interesting to see who's got the quicker draw, Clint Eastwood yeah. or Martin Short is more the question there don't you think yeah martin short smaller man shorter arms i reckon he could just get that pistol out a bit quicker. that would be funny if that's how clint eastwood dies like at the end of that georgie it's like just martin short who rocks up and just takes him out in a gunfight because they're so distracting i think that's how they'd work in their favor uh <laughs> yeah true. i think so i think so i think like once they start doing that figure eight i think it would really kind of confuse clint eastwood's like, the what's enemy. going on <laughs> they're like do we applaud do we do you know do we pay mm, them mm, for mm. that or do you know do we do we shoot them what what's what's happening and then before they know before you know it like Steve Martin's got a lasso around them and they're you know they're on the ground they put up a fight I, don't, I still think they'd win I think like the bad and the good the bad and the ugly would definitely like <laughs> just like not even hesitate he, he's seen this act before I reckon I reckon the bad would just kill him all cold you I have, have faith. faith yeah I have faith I have better faith in the in the three amigos beating Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson and Shanghai Noon, I think they would definitely kick those two's ass. Probably, I mean the, the you know those two are just so incompetent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's they've got really no no. Yeah, I think it's sense. more bent on like Owen Wilson fucking up than like anything else. Frankly, if they're going to win that battle, you know, <laughs> it's like same same thing with like um, Will Smith and um, and Clevin and Klein. Kevin yeah, Klein. I think again yeah. they, they, Will Smith would lose. It's <laughs> it depends, but I think I think the three amigos. I think you underestimate them. I think I think they've got heart and they've got you know the willpower. And the you know, and they're such you know good performers that I think they could just get away with anything they they really put their minds to. Maybe you know what? Maybe they'd win if they had the town all dressed like them as well. Because it was like the army of the three amigos. Yeah, I think I, I yeah. think so too. I also think like their costumes, like the the harsh sunlight of the desert <laughs> shining they're off like glittering. that silver, I think would just blind the enemy. Yeah, and they just like wouldn't be able to take it. So I think I, I think I think they stand a chance, Nathan. I don't think don't underestimate. It would yeah, it would, they would stand the chance whether they would win. Bit slim, in my opinion. They put up a fight. It'd be good. It'd be a good fight to watch. Well, now that we've established, now that we've established that, uh, <laughs> let's get into our next segment, which is uh, something I think that Luke could probably, uh, we well, can definitely oh, yeah. comment on. Can you see the three amigos becoming a Broadway musical? Ooh, I don't know. 
I don't know suddenly. I think once upon a time I would have gone, yes, definitely I want to see that. But now I'm not sure. Depends on the three lead actors, right? Well, I did. Well, that's 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 tricky. I mean, who are you going to cast? Firstly, uh, I did some research. I did some research actually a little while ago and found that there was a company in the states that had actually done a play version of. The Three Amigos. Really? Somehow, wow. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that wow. that managed to happen. But they they did. They they sort of did this Three Amigos thing, and it was kind of like when the you know, the plot the plot was the same, and it was like El Guapo, and it was you know Santa Poco and all that. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether <sighs> there's something that kind of happens to a story when you turn it into a musical, and mm, I think yeah. that that maybe <laughs> it goes away. Maybe the Three Amigos is more of an event. Maybe it's more of an event than a musical. You know, I love the music I love the music yeah. in the in in the already existing film I love how sort of it's kind of irreverent and it's kind of like it's a comment I just wonder whether turning into a musical would we'd sort of start to see it take itself too seriously you know we'd have to have then we'd have to have sort of hear songs from characters that we don't give a shit about you know what I mean <laughs> I kind of all yeah. I really yeah. want to like see the son, I mean it's like the son of the mother who calls him he gets a song like <laughs> let me draw it let me draw a comparison I'm drawing a long bow here but I'll, I'll give it a go it's like when Faulty Towers right when Faulty Towers was turned into a stage play disaster disaster didn't work <laughs> right didn't work. And i tell you why it didn't work. is because I was there on opening night and John Cleese got up. John Cleese is up on stage addressing the audience before the opening night, right? He then says, all right, well, I'm off. Enjoy the show. No one wanted him to leave. No one wanted him to leave the stage because they all wanted to see John Cleese. <laughs> they all mm. wanted to hear John Cleese say those lines. I think that, that the three amigos could suffer the same fate. I think it's like whoever plays Chevy Chase, yeah. Martin Short and Steve Martin, good luck because you're never yeah. going to hit it. You're never going to be the same as those three guys. And I think it's, <laughs> I think it's, it could be slightly doomed. I could see Luke behind the table in the audition room. Like all these like young aspiring actors are walking in. Luke's like, you're doomed. Don't even bother. <laughs> He's just Don't slamming the door. Don't even bother. <laughs> We're not doing Don't the show. Don't touch it. <laughs> Don't touch it, but it is, yeah. it is, it is, a, there's a huge danger in it. You know, there's a huge danger when you're sort of messing with yeah. these yeah. kind yeah. of iconic characters. I don't know. I don't even know whether they're iconic characters. Oh, yeah. Iconic characters is a bit of a stretch, mate. <laughs> it's a bit of a stretch. Oh, okay, fair enough. Bit of a stretch. But the three of them together, you know, like if you could sort of create one super character played by all three at the same time, it's like, you, you, unless you've got those three with that chemistry yeah. playing that out, it's, it's just like. It's the classic Ghostbusters scenario where it's like it only works because of the circumstances of the original piece of work, right? Yeah. Yeah, like I can see that, yeah, yeah. It, it couldn't possibly take itself seriously. I, I also think that, like, you know, not everything needs no. to be a musical. Like, there's been so many films that are just turned into musicals, and some of them are successful, some yep. of them not so much. But the fact that, like, you know, the kind of medium has become that... It's very adaptive these days, yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it's just, it's not something that's really interesting to watch. That being said, though, I will throw out the idea that, obviously, Steve Martin has written, you know, he wrote Br- Bright Star, you know, that yeah. Broadway mm. musical, you know. But you got the Tony for as well. He did. And, in, and and Martin Short as well, like has um, been in like like uh, the producers, and he was in Hairspray as well, mm. I think. So like you know there are they've they've got a musical background. So maybe if Steve Martin one day just decided to write it, it could be a situation like when you know when Eric Idle decided to do Spamalot, it might work. But the chances of it, I agree, are probably it's going to be okay. A bit who, of a flop. Who, who are we going to who are we going to cast, boys? Who are we going to cast? Um, I could definitely see Jonathan Groff oh. being Martin Short. I think he would nail it. Just whatever he did in Hamilton, just copy and paste it. Yeah, for that. it's like it's like who are the Broadway comedians? Josh Gad. You know what I mean, who are you the guys that are just like I don't know? Like again, it's it's hard to find that style of comedy. Bring him back. Bring the original three back for the stage. They'll they'll do it. Just like an aged Steve Martin, an aged Chevy Chase, an aged Martin Short. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that brings us on to the next segment, which I guess is like, do we want to see a Broadway musical more? Or, and this is kind of a new segment, I guess, is does this movie deserve a sequel? Now, guys, hear me out. There are a bunch of movies right <laughs> now that are Nathan's getting like sequels, like, like, you know, 50 years down the track, you know? Let's see like a reboot, like a Star Wars-esque reboot of the three amigos and bring back the three old fellas and, and let's see him, you know, hit the road and wander through a town and, you know, take on some other villain would it work today it'd just be sad just tonally it'd be like because no no no, no. no think about it right because they're what at the, at the late 1910s right so kind of like so silent cinema's dead like these guys's career would have not made the transition to the talkies right so these are out of work hollywood stars so it'd just be sad like they'd be kind of like clinging to it's like at the end of the movie when like steve martin's like i'll come back for you and she's like why it's, it's like why would you come back it's like you know what i mean so yeah. like, i feel like the movie itself answers that question what do you think happened to them? Where did they go? Well, they did take the money, so they're still dirt poor. <laughs> what I hope 
didn't happen, which I think probably did happen, is that they then were, they were like, well, that worked out pretty well. And they then went and got themselves entangled in some other epic quest, you know, to, to, you know, to rid the land of tyranny and, you know, make sure that justice is served. And you'd hate to think that they were, like, you know, killed in some ditch in a shootout. Jesus. Or like, you know, <laughs> were taken bound by some gang somewhere. Yeah. But, like, you know, I don't know. Like, there's only know. three of them. If you were to do it, I'd feel like you'd have to bring them back only as supporting. Like, they'd, like, they'd, they'd rock up, have a one single yeah. touch base, they do a yeah. thing, and then they get out. Yep, I think that's probably right. But then again, it's just lame. It's lame. If anything, you should have brought them back for Tropic Thunder or something like that. Or you should have, like, had, like, they're in Vietnam for some reason. <laughs> like, part of me says yes, like, if you got the same team together, but, like, I don't know if audiences today would take to it. Like, I think there is an audience there. Part of its charm is that it is lame. It is, yeah. there is, there is a yeah. lot, you know, it's sort of, I mean, as, as you said before, Nathan, you know, they're sitting around a campfire and the horses start singing. I mean, you're going to make that today. No one, you know, everyone's going to be like, what the, this is, be, this oh. is rubbish. Obviously that cinema reactor. <laughs> you kind of, they kind of got away with it. They got away with it, you know, cause it was sort of, it sat in that genre. It was unapologetic. It was the eighties. They didn't it fuck up 80s. too much with the whitewashing of the casting as well, because you know if it was done today, it'd be like this. It'd be like a Coco scenario. It's like let's make let's tell this Mexican story. Oh, absolutely. There's elements where I there is a little bit of a white savior narrative to it as well. So like people would take issue. So like absolutely, it'd be hard absolutely. to do it today. You'd have to jump through some hoops with the power of sewing. Uh, guys, let's get on to everyone's favorite segment. What stills this movie? <laughs> Uh, so for our new listeners and Luke today, uh, <laughs> I love the way you say that with our guests, new listeners and Luke. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. him too. Thanks, guys. I mean, like we, we have to explain this. You know what I mean? The, explain this crazy segment we do, which is you know when Nathan or myself choose a still, a single frame from the movie where we are reviewing, and we tell uh, we pick this on the basis of it being you know funny, of it being a beautiful piece of cinematography, which of course oh today's still is. You know, one of the most beautiful pieces of cinematography. I mean, maybe it's it's be- it's more beautiful than other things we picked, to be honest. Because <laughs> like, so there's a scene where Steve Martin gets caught, right? They're all trying to take it to the bad guy's um, lair, and Steve Martin, you know, stumbles. He falls into the middle of this like, birthday party, and suddenly all the bad guys who probably are surrounding him by maybe like two seventy degrees just suddenly all point their guns at Steve Martin. Now, like, now I'm gonna do a deep cut here. I don't know if you boys have seen the Aladdin threequel, Aladdin and the King of Thieves, or whatever it's called. <laughs> but there's a similar gag where the genie is surrounding the bad guy there and he's like a full 360 pointing all these guns. So like, if they fired uh, their yeah. guns at Steve Martin, logistically, they'd be shooting at themselves, correct? That's true, that's a good point. <laughs> and the way that Steve Martin's kind of pointing his finger like at the main bad guy, I love that he just doesn't care by this point. Yeah, I mean, like he's got nothing to lose. <laughs> he's just he's just in there going for it, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it, 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 it's one of those scenes, again, like, you know, there's a lot of stills we could have picked from this and they're all picked, you could pick them all on the basis of just like, physically just like watching mm. the moment. It's just uh. funny to look at. Like, this is just hilarious that it's this guy surrounded by like 50 guns and Steve Martin's still like, you know, pointing at, at the main villain and, and, and having a go. Uh, in that moment, like, like, what a funny just like it is image a funny image. Now at. that you say it, it makes total sense. They'd, they'd all kill one another, wouldn't they? It's like the bullets would fly in all directions. It's Steve would barely get hit if anything. <laughs> one scene that's always bothered me slightly, actually, now that we're thinking about it, is that scene where he's in the dungeon. As in, like the weight of it, or like, or the chains would he's choke him. He's not a big guy, point, is he? Right? I mean, he's not. He's not. He's not. He's not exactly huge. <laughs> it's like how does he nah. how does he somehow manage to wrangle his way out of that? Yeah. And the fact that they just leave the keys like in the cell as well. You could lift it, Brenton. Go on. Do it now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know me. Like, if, if if you guys locked me in a dungeon, like, you know, you, you'd, I mean, you'd, if, you'd, you'd lock me in there, you'd turn around, and I'd be, like, in the room, like, already, and you'd be like, how did you get out? And you'd be like, well, you know me. I'm just constantly getting out of cells. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a clip. <laughs> yeah, there's a clip. But, yeah, I, I agree, Luke. Like, watching it that scene again, actually, I was thinking to myself, I was like, this is kind of, again, like, this, this is from a film that has a scene with a singing bush and the invisible swordsman. So, like, you know, like, you can forgive it yeah. to a certain mm. extent. But, like, the fact that these villains just, like, leave him in there and expect him to, like, you know, as you would, not be able to get out of there. And drop and he the does. keys. Drop the keys. Yeah. Good luck, buddy. And he, and he tries, like, six times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, he gets pulled back a few times, to be fair. But, like, the fact that he even gets out is just... um. He should have cracked his skull when he hit that wall. It's like, there's no way you're walking out of there, mate. He should have. <laughs> he absolutely should have. Nathan, you keep, you, keep me- you keep mentioning this, but, like, you know, I don't know if that would have, like, you know, been very comedic. <laughs> but, you know, it's another, it's another device, isn't it? It's like, it's, it's another persistence comedy game. I mean, it's like it's like when he's up on the wall. It's like yeah. it just sort of lingers, and, and it's it's funny seeing him struggle. You know, seeing him sort of fail. It's kind yeah. of hilarious. Yeah, and and Steve Martin as a comedian, like you know, he knows 
and and Martin Short, like they're all the same, like in the sense like when those guys are even just like sneaking around like that villain's kind of like lair and the way they kind of run between the rocks and whatnot is absolutely hilarious just to see them move through mm. space like in those outfits. It's just like yeah. ridiculous. So like I see what you mean. Like, you know, it is it is funny in itself just to watch someone struggle, Steve Martin in particular, like in that ridiculous outfit against those chains. I don't think there's any way Jim Carrey could have done that film. No. No, like you don't really see Jim Carrey like throughout his career take roles where like he's required to be part of like a team. You know what I mean? Like a team of comedians or something. He's always just the one guy. Uh, on that note, should we look at this film's poster? Blenton. Yes? Let's look at this film's poster. But is it art? So, this is the theatrical release poster, and it's pretty straightforward. We just have the three amigos and some crazy font. Same font as Emperor's New Groove, I just want to point that out. Oh, good on them. Uh, and underneath them, it's just the three amigos, arms around each other, staring down the lens. Like... I think this is pretty perfect for what, you know, the film is. It's a bit nondescript. I think it's, and I don't think it really encapsulates the, uh, not that you need to give it all away, but I just think it, 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 yeah, it's a bit sort of generic. I feel like they need to do something. Like, even if, like, the three of them are, like, whacking the pinata or something, you know? Like, just, just give them an action. Or, 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 or just a Hollywood, like, like a Hollywood poster. Oh, you know, like yeah. something, like, for one of their films, you know, like, it should have been, Yeah, like, that'd be good. Like, at the start of the film, when you see the side of the lot and you see that massive Three Amigos poster that's like, you know, of the time, mm. maybe that's the solution when you just see that that poster on the side of the building. I think maybe Or that even them like swinging done. on the three like like stage ropes out of Hollywood, like they're about to leave Hollywood and they're all swinging on the vines. Like that could work. I like that. I like that. That's good. That's good. Yeah, just uh. something's a bit more active. I think. Yeah. Well, then, moving on from the poster onto title talk. <laughs> Ooh, it's the title. Is the three amigos a good title? Were there three amigos and three amigos? <laughs> you know what I love? I love when movies say their titles, and they did it heaps <laughs> in this one. So, all the points for that. Yeah. I think it's a good title. Yeah. I think it works. I love it. Simple to the point. It's it's great. It's got a ring to it. I mean, they could have called it those darn amigos. There's something really funny that tickles me about those darn amigos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe it's the way Martin Short says it when he's in. Absolutely. When he's in the boss's office, you know, when they talk about the costumes. Christ, they, they did they did that scene so poorly. It's like you were trying to renegotiate your contract, not knowing that you would lose your home and career. It's like and your clothes. It's like maybe think about the <laughs> stakes before you bring that up to your boss. <laughs> like, oh, they're idiots. True. Well, on that note, shall we pass that power? to the people, Nathan? Pass it here. What? The power to the people. If you guys head over to this website called Rotten Tomatoes, you'll see that on the tomato meter, this film has a critical consensus of 46% and is considered rotten with an audience score of 67%. So it's it's been pretty critically, yeah, it's 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 kind of like all over the place. This I can't remember how much this movie I digged. It, it was like a couple mil to make back in the day. So like it made money. It made good money. I think it cost like 10 million or something like that to make. So it, it made um 39.2 at the box office globally. And obviously look at <laughs> like home rental since like because this feels like a home rental title in that sense so i'm sure there's extra revenue on top of that so like, it made bank so like you know there was never any chat of sequels as well i feel like it's like a one and done thing i don't think they would have ever gotten john landis to come back but you yeah. know it didn't bomb in that sense so there's something i'm kind of shocked that it made that much money to be honest like you know in if it was so you know it just seems it was a bit all over it the did place and like obviously out, reception's so. gotten warmer i feel like that 67 from the audiences have been from latter reviews as opposed to like reviews from 86 hence where that 80 46 kind of comes from it, it seems that it had a bit of a cult following in the end yeah. like it just kind of yeah. came out yeah. you know it did, did pretty well and then just kind of as the years have gone on people have really and I can see why at the time it would have felt kind of the same as everything else made maybe because like it feels like so fresh in 2020 versus back in 86 like maybe that helps it age better maybe I don't know because a lot of the comedy we're praising is stuff that we wouldn't get today right so maybe that helps with the retrospective I'm just I'm just looking I'm just what as we're talking I just pulled up an image of the actor <laughs> who played Heffy now. Oh, yeah? It's just like, it's a totally different... It's a, he looks totally different. I, I think the actor's name is Tony Yes, Plano? yes, it is, it is. Yeah, I'm just looking at him now as well, Planner in 2019. He doesn't have those uh, dreads that he has oh, in, in, in the film and the long, you know, the long hair and the dirty teeth and whatnot. He's 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 just well-groomed and he's in a nice-looking suit. <laughs> what is he doing? What else has he done? He was in the He was in the ABC television show Ugly Betty. Oh, there, there you we go. go. Was he Betty? <laughs> I'm not sure, Nathan. I'm not. I'm Alfonso Aau. He looks. He looks totally different too. Of course, they look totally different. I mean, why am I surprised? But he's still alive. 88. 
88 years old, still alive. Wow. Actually, here's, here's an interesting fact, guys. Here's an interesting fact. The director, John Landis, is born on the 3rd of August. I'm also born on the 3rd of August. Oh, now we know there why I love it. This was, this was a match made go. in heaven. Now we understand why you like this movie. It was, in, it was written in the stars. With old it was bound to happen. You were, you were genetically engineered to That's like right. this movie. You know what I mean? Like, you were just ready to go. Well, isn't it like that thing, like, like parents hear a song, like when the baby's like, you know, about to be born, and they're like, oh, we'll name the baby after that song that was playing when something happened. Maybe like, you know, your parents were like, you know they're watching Three Amigos, and that's that's how it happened. I, I, I yeah, think maybe. Su- I think the success of it. I mean, there's some big actors in this film. I mean, I think surely the the box office would have is is testament to the fact that they had those three in it. Plus John Lovitz. Let's not forget John Lovitz playing a minor character, and Phil Hartman as well is in there as well, playing this tiny little bit character packed with some star power. It's a hell of a lineup when you look at it. Yeah. So it is interesting yeah. that like critics weren't kind in that sense. Yeah. I, well, I guess let's get into it. So if we look at Jeff Andrew from Time Out, who is a top critic, he gave it a positive review and said that if you enjoy brainless slapstick that allows space for irrelevant absurdities like a singing bush and an invisible swordsman it's entertaining enough yeah take it with a grain of salt he's saying which I guess is like kind of the mindset you need to go into it with like we were saying before like you just need to go into this and like and just kind of throw throw everything away just watch it with a few friends like you know have a few drinks and just enjoy yourself and and um it'll probably stick potentially if it's you know if it's to your taste I mean like he's 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 not saying that it's Citizen Kane you know what I mean <laughs> no. Of course not. True. But like, that's, look at then what Janice Melson wrote for New York Times, like, um, Janet didn't like it, saying the Three Amigos is likable but never really finds a distinctive style. Not quite a parody, not quite serious, it's more of a lengthy costume mm. party. So like, yeah, people who like, building on from what Jeff said, like, yeah, if you got like, if you're if you're ready for the irreverent shit, go for it. But like, again, this film did have that opportunity, like Janet's saying, to kind of build on that. Like to actually say something, which it never really kind of does. In that sense, yes and no. Like I don't know if I wanted this. The nurse did it need to say something. I don't know. Well, again, look at the look at the, the, the Tropic Thunder comparison, which I think is probably a deeper cut on Hollywood than probably this movie in that sense. But also, it's 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 portraying Hollywood in a more contemporary era. So obviously, it's saying more that would speak to us. Yeah. So it's kind of working in that favor. But yeah, maybe like I guess you yeah. think of all the silent era jokes they could have maybe had these guys do. Maybe like they're deliberately speaking out of sync, or like there's still more gags they could have done that's maybe medium based. But like that. They chose not to in that sense. So I can see where the lazy kind of comment comes from in that sense. Yeah, I guess it comes back to what you kind of said before, Luke, when you said that, like, you know, this isn't doing, it's not necessarily groundbreaking, you know, yeah. if you just, like, gave someone the screenplay. But what makes it work is just those three guys and that chemistry and that, that star yeah. power and that kind of intuitive nature to their comedy. There's one more There's one more little review excerpt here. Should I read it? Yeah, go for it. From Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. All great <laughs> farces need a certain insane focus, an intensity that declares how important they are to themselves. This movie is too confident, too relaxed, too clever to be really funny. Oh, Roger, really? I don't know about that. I mean, it's, it's Roger Ebert, you know. <laughs> he's, he's the critic. Like. I mean, he's, I'm he's... looking at his photo. I mean, that's... Yeah, I mean, you know. Wow. Fair enough, Roger. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I've never heard such disrespect for Roger Ebert being said on air before. I love it. It looks like a but, laugh. Uh, he is a laugh. Or was a laugh. But like, yeah, I don't know. I see what he's saying. It is relaxed. I think a relax is a good way to describe it. It is relaxed. And like too clever. Like it's a backhanded compliment in that sense to be like, it's too clever to be really funny. I don't know if clever is the right critique in that sense. Like, No, I don't know. But again, like I can't imagine Steve Martin like having like, you know, a moving scene where he like, you know, his character goes to an arc and confesses a great sin that he's done. You know what I mean? It's like it's just not that movie. No, exactly. It's not it's not made to be that. You know, it's just these it seems like an excuse of like this idea that Steve Martin had, which is a great idea, and they've just kind of riffed off it. It's kind of like twins. I feel like this is like the Western twins in that sense, you know? It's like yeah. they had the they yeah, they had totally. the lead actors yeah. first, they made yeah. the story second and it works for it, you know? Yes, that's true. Dio Rex, who did a comment on YouTube five years ago and said they don't make classics like this one anymore. And it's true. Like I kind of I mentioned this before and it's true. Like when was the last time you saw like a like a comedy like this that was so reliant on its stars to bring the goods, you know, and, and to work together oh, and to like oh. have this old kind of slapstick humor mixed in with some like clever one liners, mm. you know? Like it's I feel like Netflix is trying to do that with their comedies, maybe that like this is not good. But what's that one where it's like uh, Adam? See, I bring I mentioned that, I'm trying to think of an example. Like Adam Sandler and um, bloody Jennifer um, Anderson, bloody running around Europe, going like, ah, oh, we got to fix a thing. I know, I know, what you're talking about, but I guess that kind of highlights the point though Nathan like in the sense of like our comedians today like our top dog guys are really like kind of they're kind of like the Saturday Night yeah. Live gang I guess Lonely Island maybe you could get, think of that as an example 
their comedies. It's it's I guess it's like it's not classic in the sense that this no. is like, this is like a classic in the sense it's like it's using those old styles of comedies mixed with like some new modern twists at the same time. Like the comedians today are so kind of I think you know, with the comedies today they're so reliant on the writing, you know? It's oh, definitely not slapstick based. So like I'm yeah. maybe no. like the Jumanji movies? You think of like Jack Black, Kevin Hart, Dwayne Johnson, like that's pu- and Karen Gillan, of course. Like yeah. that's purely based on those characters being who they are. You know, it's funny seeing them do what they do. But again, yeah. I think with those Jumanji movies, the writing is what kind of elevates it because they're doing a critique on video games. So like, yeah, it's hard. You don't see it that often. Maybe the Jump Street movies, but then again, they're so well written that it's beyond Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. So oh, like, you know, yeah. So, Christ, could you imagine Three Amigos with Jonah Hill, Channing Tatum, and Ice Cube? Now there's a good film. <laughs> that would sell oh, tickets. Man. That would oh, sell man. tickets. That would sell tickets, whether it's good or not, oh, is a whole nother thing. That's the Jump Street movie we need. And yeah, and then um, I guess lastly, Ra- Ralph, yet more on YouTube, wrote, this movie is so bad. <laughs> but they try so hard to make it bad, and I appreciate that. I love this movie. So do you think there's also the audience for people who do think it's terrible, but it's like so bad it's good? Like, can you get that? No, I I, I think this film knows who its audience is, yeah. and its audience is us. <laughs> so it's, it's, it finally found its audience. But it, but it's true. It knows who its audience is. It no, it's not trying to appease mm. everyone. You know, it knows it knows that it's going to attract the fans of these comedians, specific comedians. I guess their sense of humor and and what they find funny. And I think it does that. And it just it doesn't apologize for that either. It just goes out and it's just these guys with a script that Steve wrote with an idea that they they came up with for these for these <laughs> specific actors to just go out they there had a script some actors on a dream and they made that Hollywood magic I think if you're not a fan of like you wouldn't say to if you go to someone are you a fan of Steve Martin they go no I hate him it's not going to change their mind no god no, no. this is not you the know, movie like, it's not gonna, to you put know, you on board for Steve Martin yeah totally well on that note I guess that was um, that was The Three Amigos classic classic film. I'd like to thank my classic movie banter. Uh, I, I, I gotta thank my three amigos, specifically Luke Joslin for joining us on the show today, mate. mate. Thanks so much for coming on and introducing us to the Thanks three amigos. Thanks for having me. Because um, We always have this third pair of maracas. We had to give it to someone. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love I love stupid comedies. What can I say? I love stupid comedies. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, we do too, specifically western ones. We've watched we a really few have. again, like we did Wild hey, Wild you, West. Have we you guys did. reviewed The Cable Guy? Have you guys reviewed The Cable Guy? No. We have no. not reviewed the cable guy. <laughs> Whoa, well, there you go. That could be the well, next one, go. boys. There's one out I'm looking up this right now. It's like now. stupid comedies look like brings like a whole list. He's like, here we go. Jim oh, Carrey, classic. I, I've just seen the post of this. It's classic. Jim Carrey, Matthew Broderick, Nathan. Oh, Lord. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> just when we said Jim Carrey doesn't play with others. Oh. There we go. He does. We found it. Luke is such an enabler. Usually, Luke, it's me that's suggesting the stupid yeah. comedies and just like the outrageous movies on this show. But so Nathan, Nathan's just shaking his head at the moment because he's just like, not, nah, Nathan's not another one. He's going to love it. <laughs> like we've had episodes where we had like Professor Jane Stadler on, right? And we're talking like this deep academic in depth thing about like imitation of life. But then we have the three amigos. It's like, we have such a roster on this show. <laughs> 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 Jesus. Oh. From the Godfather to Babe, we have it all. We've, we've got it uh, all here. Um, So I guess we'll see our lovely listeners next week but uh thanks again luke for uh for joining the show and um yeah for for adding something unique well not really like i guess unique because um i mean like i mean like this movie is just like so well i mean like this movie is unique in the sense of like i don't know if we'll ever really talk about something like this again maybe there's only one three amigos there's only (laughs) like an immemorium on like dumb shit like i love it oh man but i love it Uh, i love it so much but um yeah uh for our listeners um you can obviously get in contact and tell us what you thought about three amigos do you like it do you hate it do you think Steve Martin and Martin Short and Chevy Chase are funny or do you just hate the guys like yeah. let us know because I want to hear like people that just like don't go for this style of comedy and what comedies do you like you know so let us know on Twitter let us know on our Instagram page you can send us an email if you like or just go down to those YouTube comments just let us know and um, I guess until th- next week um, yeah get ready for more dumb shit there's plenty more on the way <laughs> <laughs>